Origin Clear is a company that focuses on wastewater treatment. And hello, everyone. And welcome to the Waters New Gold CEO Briefing. Our mission is to transform the water industry. Decentralization offers us this opportunity. The plan that you've built here is super impressive. The world is experiencing a crisis in regards to water. It's a great opportunity that you are giving us investors. The decentralization of water treatment means that we no longer need to establish giant water treatment plants. Let them fight over the 20%. Let's work with the 80% that's untreated. Over 21,000 unique alternative investments. Three million jobs in the U.S. alone. Making it easy for the regular investor. All the old trends just accelerated. Lucrative and fulfilling. The vision I've got is to standardize these products. Design, build, own, and operate. We have six 65 people in the room. We got an important message to share to the world. We can put a guy on the moon, but our water is horrible. Recycling all that water, it's a huge impact for the environment. Bringing new infrastructure in, drive growth in America. That's a critical part of the picture. It's a twin 125 gallon per minute RO system. I don't think we're talking about a $10 million fund. We're talking about a series of $10 million. Yeah. The opportunity itself is very big. Yes. Take care of the water. Not too many CEOs do a weekly briefing and are willing to talk to individual investors. Welcome to the CEO briefing, gentlemen. We hello, have- everyone. It's a pleasure. Ken, hello, Ken hello. is Ken is uh, our. Don't our mind ghost- my lighting. I'm, I'm, I was experimenting. It was a Ken failure. Is ghost man. It was a failure. Um, we are gonna. We're going to talk to the what is it? What is it? The gaffer or the lighting? The guy, like the lighting guy. He's going to yeah, gaffer. Yeah, he's gaffer. going to hear it. He's going to hear it from me. Yeah, right. So yeah, let's, uh, Stephen is going to fly up from Clearwater to help you because no, I'm the lighting guy, so that's the problem. Um, right. So exactly, that's why we're going to like move to a professional. But welcome aboard. I'm going to go ahead and run. That uh, we have some fantastic stuff lined up, and uh, we're even going to comment on current events, and it's actually good news. So we like to. Uh, emphasize where things are going to go positively, because after all, that is, you know, we tell you people are, are, are focusing on the negative. So let's, let's go with the positive. All right, here we are, March 10th, and um, our vital mission is, our five-year mission is to help the world invest in water, the new stable and inflation-friendly asset class. And of course, you know, we always qualify our statements with anticipate, believe, et cetera, but we do fix it as quickly as we can. Okay, current capital status. Man, we are inching forward. <laughs> like we were, we added another 10,000. Like we're literally just, you know, inching into the million dollar mark. Um, and this is important because we have uh, an announcement in, in mind. And when that announcement happens, Tom Marchesello will come brief us on the project that we have lined up to use that money. So we already have a project, it's identified. Um, we're gonna get into it. Uh, I'm quite sure it'll be next week, but for now, we're just gonna go ahead and tell you it happens when it happens. That's just how it is. <laughs> okay, so Dan Early in Troy, Alabama, Ponster, the Ponsta moves beyond the pilot. Can you believe we call this thing a pond monster? <laughs> We are, we are very sophisticated. You can tell. Anyway, but it's a beautiful thing. You know, I like, I like, uh, you know, wacky names because people remember them, right? Like Yahoo and stuff like that. Good morning, Riggs. Welcome to sunny Southern Troy, Alabama. Yes, that's where we are today. Well, what are you up to? I am down here on site at the uh, at the mobile home park that we've been working on, um, going back about a year now. And uh, we are adding uh, some additional equipment and upgrading some of the treatment capability for the Ponster unit that we delivered back in September of last year. Doing that in response to lessons learned and some data that we acquired over the last, uh, or for through the first 90 days of operation. I'm glad you're, you're uh, really doing a lot of um, product development here. And it's a fine client, a very patient and, and, uh, and superb client really, who has enabled us to do this work. Now, this is, uh, I think, expandable to probably many thousands of uh, trailer parks throughout the, well, mostly the, um, the Southeast, but also in the rest of America, right? It, it is, the, uh, the treatment system that we have, it's very simple. It's, it's uh, not overly complex. 
and it has tremendous applications in, in old existing lagoon, wastewater lagoon treatment systems uh, for mobile home parks, RV campgrounds, small municipal utilities all across the southeast and uh, the Midwest and the upper, upper plains. Wow, you're talking about municipal utilities as well. So in other words, any kind of lagoon where there's passive sanitation going on can be accelerated. The, the process of neutralizing the, the bacteria and the toxins can be sped up with this? Yeah, the way the Ponster unit works, uh, it is a supplement to the existing treatment capability that you have with lagoons. Uh, lagoons usually are looked at and frowned upon because they only have a certain treatment functionality and a certain treatment capability. However, they have a tremendous asset. They're great at pretreatment, great at uh, settling, great at uh, primary removal of uh, carbon and nitrogen. Uh, but when we, but they can only go but so far. What we are doing is we are taking and building and supplying these Ponster units so that they can complement the existing capability and provide a polishing treatment function. And this is really important because instead of having to completely dewater and decommission the lagoon that you may see over my shoulder, uh, the owner of this utility is to realize that asset value and they can choose and implement a much uh, less costly, less expensive treatment function. So if we think of uh, lagoon treatment and being this, this one particular level, and I'm holding my hand kind of low, uh, what we're doing is we're popping it up a level, and which in turn makes the later treatment steps even easier and, uh, and perhaps save some money with the more expensive stuff that happens later. That, that's exactly right. That, that's, that is the true goal of what we're trying to accomplish with the, the lagoon treatment system that we've developed. The only other option that exists for this particular customer, they have a, a 15,000 mm -hmm. gallon per day lagoon treatment system. If they, were have, mm -hmm. if they were forced to dewater and decommission and replace this thing with a true electromechanical complex advanced wastewater treatment system, uh, they could easily be a half a million to three quarters of a million dollars of equipment and installation. Whoa. And that, they can't well, that afford destroys, that. That, is right. that destroys the pro forma for a it, mobile home park. It, it just ruins everything. It, they just can't afford it. I quickly wanted to cover this new, new thing that, we're, that we've got here at Origin Clear, which is water on demand, what the water industry calls design, build, own, operate, DBOO. And of course, up till now, including this unit, we've been doing D&B, the design and build, um, and leaving you know, uh, customers to essentially operate their own units and also to buy them. Now we're moving into customers not having to purchase uh, and also not having to maintain, which is a whole new level. Now, do you think this has, um, th this has potential commercially for these thousands of operators of these uh, mobile home parks? They do have tremendous applications. These existing, a lot of these existing utilities that need upgrades uh, to uh, get into compliance with, with more stringent regulatory permits, that gives us a wonderful opportunity to supply that capability. And it eliminates, it just eliminates a lot of the hassle that the owners are forced to, they have to go find a consulting engineer, then they have to find a vendor, then they have to go find a contractor. And so when you leverage this turnkey design, build, own, operate model, complemented by a water on demand financing capability, that you just got tremendous capability and tremendous um, upside. Well, yes, and we've been discussing this, uh, for example, a very large opportunity for a lift station network that's something like a thousand units and, um, you know, one by one, they're, they're relatively cheap. Uh, you know, a thousand's a lot. Normally, we'd be looking at a multi-year um, rolling replenishment of, uh, let's say, a thousand lift stations according to the capital budget of the end user, which might be a city or a, uh, a large institution of some kind. I think with Water on Demand and DBOO, we're able to just go, listen, sign the service contract here, and we will install it uh, as fast as we can produce these. And since it's modular, the production would be, would be rapid. Do you see this having potential for example, in unusual areas like lift stations. I do, Riggs, and I can give you an, a quick analogy. A lot of public works departments and a lot of municipal utilities, it's not uncommon for them to lease their vehicle equipment, uh, their trucks and their, mm. and their maintenance equipment they use. This, while that, that lease model, that is a unique delivery model. They get the equipment and they pay for it over time and then they can replace it later with new equipment and continue the lease or buy it out for whatever they wanna do. With the water on demand mm -hmm. model and with this, uh, this, this particular product line that we have created and we've developed for retrofits to existing wastewater infrastructure systems for pump stations, 
that same model would apply, and for a number of reasons. The dollar value for some of these outfits are gonna be about the same as if you went out and purchased a Ford F-250 maintenance truck or a utility truck. Um, so that model right there, if we can come and, and they can leverage our in-house engineering, we partner with their in-house engineering team at the, at the utility level, uh, we develop, this, we propose and recommend the, the technical solution, we put a price tag on it, and then we can finance that I mean, it's a win-win. They will, they will beat a path to your door for that every single day. Well, Dan, what's interesting here is, of course, uh, we could do the, the, the full-throated uh, water-on-demand model, which is, um, you know, we own it, um, we operate it, the whole thing, and they simply pay, you know, a, a fee for consumption, or um, they could procure it um, and then have the full support so it'd be the best of both worlds for, for certain um, operators out there like, uh, like cities. That's, that's absolutely correct, Griggs. The, the old school uh, design and procure and delivery models, using the old pumping technologies, especially in relation to wastewater pump stations, those models, they, they still exist and they, will, they still work at certain levels, but when you get into replacement um, and you're trying to manage budgets, Having the flexibility like you just described, having it uh, where it's turnkey and you just pay by the gallon, or you have uh, you, the owner may, uh, the end user may purchase the equipment outright. All of those things are hugely important to sustaining wastewater infrastructure looking into the future. As we've reported before, there is a what we call silver tsunami going on in the water industry, where you know three million skilled jobs. Are retiring as we as we speak, and they're not easily replaced. Uh, so we have to go to these um, managed services in order for these municipalities to keep operating. Correct. It is that the uh, these folks that are hitting retirement age, uh, it's going to place a huge drain. A hu there's going to be a lot, a huge loss of talent across the board. It was a problem pre-COVID, but COVID mm -hmm. just accelerated that. Uh, a lot of people just went ahead wow. and. and said, hey, I'm done, I'm retiring, I'm riding off into the sunset. So now looking what appears to be post-COVID as we're coming out of this, uh, the demand mm -hmm. for talent, um, skilled operators at the utility level, but even more so across the board. So having turnkey services, managed services like what we're proposing uh, with the DBOO model and with the, and the financing model with the water on demand, those are bridgers. Those will bridge and help overcome some of these limitations because right, wrong, or indifferent, we cannot lose our water and wastewater infrastructure systems just because we don't have people to, to push buttons and to, and to pull levers. I mean, we have to have the ability to service and continue to provide reliable service to the customer base. Well, then here we've got this amazing, you know, standardized uh, product line, which uh, I think is essential to scaling this up. Part of the, the reason why I think you've achieved such a great standard has been the two years of webinars you've been giving throughout COVID to the water industry. Those things are phenomenal because they do two things. They educate, they specify an engineer, they learn about, mm -hmm. uh, they learn about our capabilities, they learn about the value proposition that is the Evera Mod pump station or the Evera treat, uh, packaged wastewater treatment system. The engineers recognize the superior product and the value proposition that is the modular water systems program. They see where it is better and it is next generation type technology or an evolution of, of current technologies and it represents a tremendous value for their customer. They like the standardization that we have. They're starting to recognize that the, the, the big picture that we are promoting is that we are trying to vertically integrate all the manufacturing and that eliminates mm -hmm. a lot of the subcontract field, subcontract vendor support, subcontract field installation capability, which has plagued the water and the wastewater infrastructure marketplace for years. We are getting rapid adoption. We're getting an accelerated acceptance of basis of design. And basis of design, that means we are specified as the preferred product, which means we are permitted and approved that way. And it makes it really, um, really ultra successful for us to deliver the equipment to the customer. Well, and now, of course, we've got the additional factor of relieving these customers from the need for, to raise capital by letting them have this uh, fully uh, supported design, build, own, operate. Are you starting to talk about that in these webinars? We, we are. We are. Uh, just two weeks ago, um, you asked a fantastic question. So two weeks ago, 
we were in a converse, we were in a, um, a video conference call with one of our strategic partners out in the central United States. Uh, this partner has got uh, is working with a lot of the uh, major architecture and engineering firms here in the U.S. And, that, and also in that same region, there are a lot of existing wastewater utilities that have pump station uh, systems that are 50, 60 years old. Older technologies with these webinars, we were able to present some of our standardized solutions. And I've introduced this water on demand and this equipment financing function. And what we are seeing is that at the municipal level, because of the dollar value of the solution we have created, there is significant interest. Because if you are the chairman of a public utility, and you may be in a little small town, you may only have a customer base of 500 customers, and you've got a capital procurement budget that's very limited, and mm -hmm. along comes a vendor like, uh, like Modular Water Systems, and lo and behold, they've got this great capability, this great technology, but they also have this funding mechanism that rapidly accelerates the contracting method. Then we can get into a, a financing option where they can use their cash flow from their customer base to pay for this new equipment. So if they can take a technology that they would only get 40 years of service out of it, replace it with another one that can get 80 years, effectively doubling the life cycle, and there's this funding mechanism where they can pay as you go and pay over time, it is a wonderful thing. And they will. this is really gonna change the way you'll see pumping equipment technologies and infrastructure products delivered to the marketplace. Well, that is, you know, fantastic what you're doing. Of course, we, we have these mobile home parks. What are some of these, uh, what are some of the ideal applications that you and Tom Marchesello have come up with? Campgrounds and RV parks, that's one. They like the Averiskid model. The other one would be permanent single family residential development. And this is huge in states like Texas and Florida where there is a huge immigration component of people leaving the Northeast and leaving the West Coast and moving to Texas and Florida. Public utilities can't keep up. Decentralized utilities are the answer. And our Everitree package in the water on demand, the DVOO model is finding huge, huge interest there. Uh, we currently, I'm working with a number of probably at least three to five in the Texas region where the DBOO and the water on demand model will probably be the, 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 the final selection criteria that will push us over the edge to successfully land these contracts. Wow, well that is amazing. And once again, a COVID megatrend is joining itself to the general decentralization megatrend that, that you've been um, you know, talking about for so long, long before it was fashionable, long before I came along. And it seems like um, being a prophet uh, eventually does pay off. So, Dan, I'm so proud of the work you're doing, uh, being on the ground there, making this this product line that you know, through the you know, through better sanitation, we save lives. You know, the the, the untold story of the early early 20th century is that all these diseases, you know, they were helped by you know public health, um, you know, doctors and so forth. But the big heroes were the sanitation engineers, and uh, it saves lives. So. Keep up the great work, Dan. I'm uh, super proud of what you're doing um, and uh, look forward to hearing more great news as we move into really helping many, many, ultimately thousands of sites throughout North America and elsewhere. Well, Riggs, thank you for the compliment. Thank you for the, uh, thank you for the confidence. An amazing little report. I mean, there's so much to unpack about that. Um, and, you know, what was interesting to me was really looking again at the COVID driven changes, um, retirement, like people have accelerated their retirements. This has been happening uh, all over America and the world is uh, the, the trained people have said, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna take early retirement and then moving to the country, right? So that you're moving away from um, sewage. And that's the, these are not minor things, right? All of a sudden you have, you have a need for instant infrastructure and there's nobody to do it. That's where water on demand comes in and remember you notice the last thing he said which is that he's got several deals cooking right now these are six six or seven figure deals that the final selection criteria would be the financing capability yeah i'm going to continue uh because we've got more ground to cover and uh we will we will have the the fabulous uh fabulous trio let me just check the Terrible chat here trio. some people chatting uh let's just see who, who what people are coming up with here and uh oh hello dave all right, Dave Johnson has a really great question. Who in Origin Clear is responsible for developing the network of partners that will maintain and service the WDSIP facilities? This is brilliant. And this is a key part of our model. 
we do not want to try and build everything ourselves. That's a big mistake because it will take forever, right? Sure. In fact, we'd prefer to delegate it. You know, and imagine being a water company in you know, Austin, all of a sudden, oh, here's half a million dollars for this project. You know, all you got to do is run it you know, and make sure you're qualified and so forth. We compare it to the Tesla supercharger network, right? Because Tesla's got the supercharger network, but now is Fiat going to do it or you know, BMW? It's hard after the first one. So we want to put in place these, these um, partners and then it's day one. And one of the reasons that we got to this was we, we didn't even do it on purpose. Our, our, our um, building operations got maxed out. You know, um, McKinney, Texas and, um, and up in Virginia are both completely maxed out. And so we kind of had to do this and we think it's a, a strong point. All right. And then um, Michael Hardison, since they're performing monthly testing, has there been comments on positive performance. Yes, there is testing happening right now. And we will be uh, reporting further on that. This, there's going to be objective testing. Uh, that's what we're moving into. One of the issues was that it's very hard to control the environment you're going into. You can't just move a box in and start doing stuff. Um, you know what's going to happen with the medium, right? How murky is it? How messed up is it? And so forth. And uh, so those variables we've had to control. And the final question before we go on is Terry, Terry Johnson says, "How is fundraising going?" Well, fantastic milestone we're edging up to, which is a million dollars in water on demand, which means $2 million raised overall, right? So um, the, the million dollars in, in water on demand is dedicated to water, water asset uh, development. And then the other side of it is this. And, and by the way, we intend to ramp up from here. You know, this is a $300 million offering for good reason. Okay, so um, thank you for all those comments. And of course, Terry, you can always talk to Ken. Ken will be happy to tell you about how, how well it's going. <laughs> yes. Right? I guess I talk for a living, so sure. Right on. Right on. Okay. Uh, Bill Cummings is a, a wonderful guy, and uh, he reinvested recently. And so I did a short interview with him, which you're going to enjoy. Here we go. Bill Cummings, welcome to a short interview with uh, your... Your happy servant, Riggs Eckleberry, because I understand that you just reinvested in Origin Clear. I have indeed. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. This is uh, it's a fascinating company, and I'm um, really pleased to be part of it. Well, uh, it brings me back to you invested a long, long time ago. The story there was my middle school age son at the time was doing a science fair project, and uh, he chose to uh, try to make uh, a fuel from algae. And we both looked at each other and said, we don't know how to do this. We know how to grow the algae. We don't know how to do that last part. And uh, I found you all online and got some help from your technical experts, for which I was grateful. And uh, his, his project turned out quite well. And um, sort of an appreciation for that, as well as uh, enthusiasm for the growth prospects of the company. Um, I went ahead and invested a relatively small amount at the time and um, have, have followed your progress since. Right. And of course, um, you know, some interesting things happened along the way. We, we were faced with the crash of uh, price of crude, um, which, you know, kind of made algae into a science experiment. Right. And uh, as a result, you know, we, we had to do something. And what did, how did you view our pivot into uh, water treatment? I thought that was really innovative um, in that uh, clearly things were shifting, uh, both in the, um, in the petroleum world uh, and alternate fuel world, as well as uh, it, it must have become must have become clear to you that the need for clean water uh, was sort of um, relatively local treatments of it was a, a growing Growing, of growing importance around the world. And I thought it was um, innovative and insightful of you all to, to shift a, a growing technology into another application. Uh, and clean water is, is clearly a, a growing and important thing uh, around the world. Well, thank you, Bill. So fast forward to today. Now, obviously we had a lot of dilution of the company. Um, I was, before this interview, I was talking a little bit about our wonderful experience of 2009 where we were being shepherded into a very strong institutional round that was going to eventually take us to the to the moon, and uh, that firm, Rodman Renshaw, uh, in two thousand nine, went belly up as a result of the recession, and we found ourselves scrambling. Um, 
and that was even before we made the pivot to water. Uh, you had by then invested, uh, you saw dilution, um, but then you came back and um, how, how has this affected your portfolio? You're coming back in. Even, even though I'm a relatively small investor, um, I have uh, remained appreciative for how adroitly y'all have moved uh, as, as needs have arisen and changed. And I'm excited about uh, where you're going with clean water. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, I'm, uh, I used to work for Rolls-Royce. I've just recently retired. Oh. And our, our chief medical officer uh, wrote about the COVID pandemic, of course. We didn't even know there was a chief medical officer until that happened. <laughs> and um, he, he wrote that among, there, there are three key things, my takeaway, three key things that he wrote about in human health. Um, that have happened in the last roughly 100 years, one being um, uh, vaccines, one being penicillin, and the third one being clean water. And it, it's just a fun, such a fundamental human need. And you all seem to be addressing it in a, a very uh, clever and forward-looking way. And so uh, I'm quite enthused about the company. Um, maybe my resources are such that I'm not able to be one of your big investors, but I'm uh, really pleased to be at least among those trying to help your company carry forward. Well, I actually wanted to address that because um, we actually have no problem with um, smaller investors. Unfortunately, currently we, only, we can only take accredited investors. And, uh, but nevertheless, if it's a small investment, it's perfectly fine because uh, as you and I were discussing before this interview, you know, you get dependent on big investors and it turns into this sort of um, you know, it takes all the air out of the room, so to speak. And what we right. prefer is just a, a good, predictable flow of investment from a broad base of investors. We have almost 10,000 uh, general investors and about 500 mm -hmm. private investors like you. Um, mm -hmm. And to have that, that broad bench, in fact, that's what's been allowing us to raise this capital phase. Your new investment, half of it is going into water equipment, not not you know my salary as as important as it is i don't want it to <laughs> understate the importance of my salary absolutely <laughs> but half of everything we raise now goes into capital that is put into these water on demand systems and so to do that we have to have an even flow and frankly a lot of companies envy us the ability to have you know loyalists like you and mm -hmm. one thing that has been wonderful for us um i call it the time machine which is we we Beginning a couple of years ago, we were able to start fixing people's old investments, bring them up to current, and then price protecting them if they made a, uh, a comparative investment today. Mm -hmm. And that um, has done wonders for people's portfolio. I, I'm guessing that you're in pretty good shape now after that got done. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I certainly was pleasantly surprised to learn of that. Um, and I'll I'll confess, I was a little bit skeptical at first. Didn't didn't bite when the hook was first passed in front of my face, but um, that was only because when I had invested early on, when my son was doing his science fair project, um, of course the value had tapered off through some of mm -hmm. the things you described, um, and so I was a little bit guarded. Uh, but the arrangement that you all have come up with. Uh, of course, put me at ease to see my value restored. And I remain enthusiastic about the company and am pleased by both the prospects of growth of my investment, but but on top of that, um, being able to support you in, in what you're trying to do here. Yes. And, and I think in, in what we've been talking about, you've also really uh, discussed a very important thing for us, which is water treatments becoming local, right? Um, mm -hmm. So more and more, we, we can't depend on the big central infrastructure. It's falling apart. And so local water treatment really is going to save the day, but there's you know no funding mechanism. And so mm. our mission has become really, really important. Um, and because it's only the only way forward, um, water quality in this country is, is going downhill fast. Uh, Flint, mm. Michigan is only the tip of the iceberg. Mm. And we, we can't just have, uh, you know, um, five $20 billion projects. And first of all, they'll, they'll never get built. Um, but secondly, they'll take forever. And meanwhile, people right. are having very bad water. So, so it's yeah. really good to be able to go to the edges, these smaller projects, fund yeah. them for people so they don't have, they can just pay on the meter. And uh, we're calling it the, dem the democratization of mm. investment in water because right. it truly is that. Um, we're making it possible for investors like you for the very first time to directly invest in water assets. And mm. that's kind of cool. So um, it really is. 
you know, it, it's it's great that you've come in. I'm grateful for for your um, resurgence. Your re- you bet. You're you're coming back in the fold, so to speak. Well, equally, I'm grateful for the work that you, I'm sure it was not easy to arrange for the program that you put together. And uh, obviously, it, it helped me uh, feel more comfortable uh, reinvesting in the company. Yes, you know, I, I'm reminded of there's there's a I read an article once about a uh, gourmet restaurant in Paris that had the dining, very small dining room on top and a kitchen below. And the entire night, the four-man team was there. It was like they were in the middle of DEFCON 3 the whole time for eight hours straight. Just And then, right. oh, here's your food, you know. And <laughs> no, no idea of what we, went, what we went through. And primarily it was Ken Berenger and myself um, with support from others like Tom Marchesello that we reinvented, uh, you know, really, I think, how water treatment is financed. And that was, not, as you say, it was it was not simple. And, and uh, yeah. fortunately, we have wonderful investors like you. So again, I wanted to thank you, Bill. Well, thank and, you very uh, much. Don't be a stranger. Next time you come down to Clearwater, um, let, let's uh, let's have a cup of coffee. You bet. I'll take you up on that. That'll be great. What a great guy, huh? He's super. Beautiful interview. Wow. What a motivation. Yes. It's really, it's really in on, on, on the mission. It's beautiful. Right. right. And, I, and I promise I didn't pay him. It was all him. <laughs> uh, quickly, Daryl Polston asks, do those partners that are the operators required to have water treatment licenses like utility workers for cities are required to have, such as class D level of water certification, level C? Yes. In general, the, the, the water service companies uh, do a lot of work with and on behalf of local utilities. So they, are, they, they, are, they have all the qualifications required. We're dealing with companies that are doing multiple millions of dollars of business as we do in McKinney, Texas. And so, um, and there's many of them. So no question, they have to be good and they have to be good at what's called operation and maintenance, which means not just throwing out the machine and letting people have it, but rather can you look so white? It's scary. I'm going to star in the sequel of Ghost. Um, <laughs> anyway, I get to play uh, the ghost. Sorry. Keith wants to know do cities have to annually test and report the quality of the municipal water? Yes. And Keith, if you go to ewg.orgslash tapwater, you will see, uh, put in your zip code, it will tell you what the city does. It's always legal, they're always following the law, but that law is way behind the times. So, with that, uh, I'm going to continue uh, because I have a little bit more. I want to show you guys uh, and gals some cool press that we've had. So hold on here. And so uh, quickly, I'm going to show you. Um, that's that's better. Yeah, you're much I better. I, I just gave up. I was like, yeah. It's much I'll better. It. I'll deal with it next week. No worries. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. So um, so uh, Grit Daily, which is a premier, the premier started, startup news hub, and gives you an idea of uh, this is the kind of stuff they have, uh, acquisition news and, and you know, basically what's happening in the world of, of venture capital business. Uh, it's a great magazine, and we got, we got featured in it. Here we are uh, talking about how we can solve the looming American shortage, uh, water shortage. So we're talking about scarcity. Um, and, of course, a little bit of background on how I came into this. And then um, demand rising all the time, but we're falling behind in terms of water infrastructure needs. So rising demand and, and, and infrastructure spending going down is a perfect storm, right? Um, and then, of course, this hurts all kinds of things. And um, this commission identifies the nation's water and wastewater utilities as one of the top three most vulnerable to cyber attacks along with the electrical grid and the financial system. So what do we do about it? Well, here's the thing. If you can uh, become re- uh, um, uh, distributed, then you're much, you, centralized is always vulnerable. If you go distributed, then if a node of the network is taken out, it's only one node. That's the whole concept of the internet, right? So, and then of course they talk about this whole one on demand thing. Uh, they, do, they do a good job of talking about that. Um, <clears throat> And we have another one. This is super cool because this is actually one of uh, the top water industry magazine. Uh, the, the paper version or the uh, so publication version is called Water Innovations. And in fact, I have right here, um, I'm going to just go ahead and show you what it looks like in reality. 
if you look at the actual publication. Um, and so here uh, we get, there we go. There's 100 days in many ways to cybersecurity, a Q&A with myself, and that was the, the editor. So that's, there's a lot of interest in the whole cybersecurity issue. Um, and so if we go back, uh, obviously it's too small to read, but I, I have it right here uh, in the PowerPoint. Uh, there we go. And um, I want to get out of the PDF and get back to the PowerPoint. There we go. Um, and so again, cyber attacks, this new water act uh, sector action plan, um, we've got to shore up operations within 100 days. Uh, and then, you know, is this, is this going to work? Um, and, you know, we have to think about points of greatest vulnerability. And again, centralized is bad. Problems with uh, vulnerability to hackers. And I make the point here down below that the greatest harm could occur at a choke point, such as uh, tertiary treatment, which is you take where you take the nitrates out. And because you can't, you kind of have to do that in one place, right? Um, when decentralized water treatment happens, uh, let's say at a brewery and they send the treated water to the city, the city is still going to do the third stage, the tertiary treatment. And so that is a point of vulnerability. Also upgrading controls to current technology. Also letting, please let's not have the government try to do things. Let's, let's you know, I remember the Affordable Care Act where finally uh -huh. Silicon Valley had to come in and help. Similar thing here with water. Um, and uh, I make the point here that we actually need to make water treatment, water management more high profile and even sexy, which is a challenge because people don't think of water, uh, sewage is sexy, but you know, hey. Really? You know, um, it's all in your taste, right? That, that's uh, why That's why we have you as the face of the company. We're trying to compensate. Oh, you're so sweet. But you help too, Great. my friend, because Italians are inherently sexy. Done. He's, saying, he's trying to say you make sewage sexy. <laughs> wow. I mean, now, go back to the picture. Stuff. Go back to the picture that you were showing before, Rich. A, sec, a second ago, and one one second ago, there was a, a picture of you sitting. Yeah. Okay. Come on. What? That's power. Yeah. Here you go. So, well, we, I had a very good photographer. Is what it was. Anyway, um, now next week, this is a we did a, our first Instagram live, IG live, and that was really interesting. It was an hour. It's going to be very, very much shortened, but it's really, really interesting to ask great questions. And it was great to have all of this, you know, people commenting in real time. That's that's fun stuff. I mean, it's kind it's of a good interviewer, too, actually. We're going to have a lot more of that. OK, um, and here it is. There, there is the host um, of, of the show. And uh, it was really, really interesting. And now we come to the famous open discussion. I'm going to quickly also, oh, before we go on here, um, so uh, we have a lot of good comments. Bob Bruce wants to know news on the hotel in Nashville with the deluxe water. That hotel is going to have a formal opening in April. And so we're, we're coordinating everything happening at once. The system is in, it works, but the hotel is not open. So we're kind of like all dovetailing. And I didn't, did I say it was in Nashville? No, 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 it's in Memphis. But no, actually it, it did get leaked. So leaked, get it? Um, Dave says, Ken, come to Arizona, get some sun. Yeah. Thanks. That's it. Pile on, Dave. I appreciate that. And then I'm William wants links to read these great articles, um, which is a great idea. Uh, they are on our website. Go to originclear.com, the news section. Boom, they're right there. Um, and then um, our, our friends at Philanthropic Investors participated in two events. One was an um, uncommon event, and the other one was called Lunch Squad. These are Puerto Rican events, and there's a lot of, you know, interesting, forward-looking people in Puerto Rico. So we appreciate the support. Of the Act 60 people, right? Act 60, he mentioned. 60 people, I guess. Um, so Act 60. That's that's the that's the um, high net worth individuals. Thank you, Ivan. <laughs> HNWI. Thank you. All right. Well, you All see. Right. Um, anyway, so what? Here's I wanted to bring up a slide, and uh, because this is. I think it's going to be a good uh, discussion point. Um, what's going to happen next, right? Well, the fact is, is that the, we, we forget how fast the, um, the stock market and the economy recover from shocks. In my opinion, um, things, people get really freaked out and they get all you know, upset and they miss the recoveries, right? And so what we're going to get is... is um, uh, I have a brother who is very, very uh, 
highly placed. And uh, he claims that things are being worked out already. Who knows? But the point is this, the noise is a lot greater than the actuality of what's going on. Um, a lot of people have a vested interest in making people freaked out. But look at these charts here. It shows you that, you know, um, things happen. Look, they, they tried to kill Ronald Reagan and the stock market didn't change at all. Um, so the worst was, of course, the attack on Pearl Harbor, because that's when we really thought that the Japanese were going to invade the mainland, which never happened. So I wanted to kind of open it up a little bit on the economic front and where people are, where we think people are going, uh, the economy wise, inflation seems to be baked in. So Ken, what's your thought? Uh, it, it's, it's less an observation and, and more kind of collaboration. I, I've sp spoken with a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> you know, I have my own personal leads. I try, I try not to paint, you know, what I think, right? <laughs> so, uh, but- Well, you're an ultra leftist, of course. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What is the Fed? All right. Um, so uh, the, the general sense is there's, there's a, there's, I, so I just got a long time investor of ours. Um, I, I won't give his name, uh, former, uh, former pilot, uh, airline pilot. Um, just finished talking with me because I just bought into an oil well. This is on private land and it's, you know, at 150 bucks a barrel, we're killing it. I said, I, you understand that oil is going to average $50 a barrel during the time. He goes, oh, I know that. He goes, it's just fun right now. But he's, he shifted everything. Um, he's taken a lot of money out of, he's bought a lot of gold. He bought, he bought into an oil well. So we, we had a lengthy discussion on oil, on, on water on demand, how it relates to an oil well. And, you know, when I, you know, when you first say, you know, an oil well for water, people go, huh? But when then you, when you point to the kind of the high points of why people invest in oil wells, and then you say, well, this has got that except, um, oh, look, oil at some point, like you, you mentioned in a conversation, oil is going to go away at one point, you know, maybe off in the distance. Well, what, what goes up, it comes down, right? And so people jumping into oil now are jumping in late. It's obvious. Exactly right. And, um, and, and he said, I had a really, really hard time trying to buy into assets. Um, you know, I had another fellow that said I had a hard time, buying, it, wasn't, it wasn't Jim actually. Uh, I had a hard time buying it, trying to find an asset that, you know, I wasn't paying a premium for. You know, so that, that's, I think that's kind of what people are finding really attractive, but there is a, there's a pretty strong unease. People don't know what they don't know. Um, people don't trust what they're reading a lot of times about what's going on in the world. There's a, there's a genuine, genuine mistrust about that they're getting the full story. Um, Wall Street tells you, keep buying, it's fine, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot, but there's, there's, a, um, there's a significant shift in the people. And again, I'm, I'm talking about just a, a section of the population. There's a significant shift out of um, kind of more traditional Wall Street stuff and into assets, right? Um, I'm seeing that more and more. Well, so two and things I'm taking away from that is that? assets and try not to pay too much for assets, right? Well, that's the trick. That's the trick. Um, and, and I've had a lot of, you know, uh, I, look, I've raised the question a couple of times. Where else are you going to find an asset that hasn't taken a run yet? You know, they're, they're few and far between. So I also think that's probably why people who know assets find this so attractive. Um, Andrea, you're talking- Oh, I also think that uh, there is, oh, sorry. No, no, I was, go ahead, please. I was gonna ask you a question, but please. I, I also think that, uh, I believe that what's interesting in, in our uh, project is that it is really set up to succeed. Let me explain what I mean by that. For anyone that knows the story of very well-known Tesla, for instance, but there are many companies as such, uh, PharmaClicks and many others, um, they wanted to accomplish something relevant and they went through hell and high water to do yeah. so. It wasn't like everything is just like all fine, all the, they didn't have to work. Things just happened, right? It didn't happen as such. And if you know the story of Tesla, Tesla was, like went through, you know, rough patches. That is for sure, right? Um, and, and we did the same. Like we went through rough patches. We went in and out and left and right because we have a strong purpose. And uh, so I think that 
part of what people perceive when it comes to our business is is that aside from any like things go well or things win and become powerful because of the people not because of the condition of the market not because of that because of the people that makes it happen and because of a mission that is strong and powerful enough and the desire of these people to do whatever it takes to make it happen so I, I think that people perceive that. And I do believe that that's one of the elements that really appeal, that are very appealing of, uh, of the company. And Ken conveys this message beautifully when it speaks with investors. There is um, an incredible pathos and incredible energy that Ken gives, and he gives really this perception. And obviously, Riggs does it with his uh, role as the CEO and his public announcement and communication. But I think that that's, that is one of the components. Aside from the fact that the demand is higher than ever for water treatments, like people don't know this, but we do know that the demand but is crazy. Through the Our room. guys in Texas are starting to get mad and angry. Like I got too much. I want to go home. You know, literally they're just overwhelmed with work. It's not easy to train water people. And so we're <laughs> constantly hiring, hiring, hiring. It's very hard to do. So you make a very good point. We were working on the tagline mission driven, right? right. Mission driven. We are mission-driven. This is mission-driven investment. And I think that's very important. So we are obviously having to be evangelists for water on demand and decentralized water treatment, of course, because a lot of people don't know it yet. But this also means it's early in the game. And it's, a, it's a, an opportunity to pick up uh, you know, royalty-bearing assets with a huge stock upside while it's still inexpensive, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. But at its heart, it's still an asset. At its heart, it's still an asset. It's not that, you know, okay, hope this, you know, it's not that, right? Um, there was a time for that. We were that at one point. Um, so what, what uh, interesting point that Andrea just made is, um, you know, water treatment is in higher demand than ever, but so is seeking assets, seeking the safety of assets. Because one thing we know, we, the one thing yeah. we know for sure is we don't know anything, right? In other words, you know, the, the market is always one invasion away from, you know, absolute, you know, tumult. Um, something also interesting that Andrea mentioned, and I wanted to extend on the thought is most of these massive, gigantic success stories that we talk about is that, you know, you talk about Tesla and Apple as if they were always these juggernauts, like, you know, it's Tesla, right? But it, Tesla wasn't Tesla at one point. It was, huh? You know what I mean? So, so I remember as a retail stockbroker, get, Opening, I was speaking with investors, and I, Apple was eighteen dollars a share. Don't and I had guys going, please. "What a piece of crap!" You know, and like you know, just like okay, right? So, and and I told you the story that time. I won't use the exact, I won't use the exact language. But the point is, is that most of these major world, you know, world-renowned success stories were a decade in the making. And here's what happened during that decade: there were wars, there were market crashes, there were. You know, you know what I'm saying? We had two, two Iraq wars um, during Apple's and Tesla's rise. We had, um, you know, we had all kinds of- We had a great I mean, recession. We had, we had a great recession, right? Yet, um, at, to Andrea's point, they just kept, they kept one foot in front point. of the other. They just kept one foot in front of the other, right? Um, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? So that, that's what they did. They just kept, they just kept, you know, swinging kept throwing punches and i think that you know to our credit that's that's one thing we've certainly been we've been, but I, I i like i like the fact that we've graduated out of that scrappy kind of you know um, i i believe um bill cummings used a very great word by the way bill good job adroit we handled it very adroitly right uh, it's a wonderful description uh of of what we've had we've, we've moved with alacrity we, we've been nimble we've been flexible um but now that we've gotten into an asset class, it's going to be nice to be able to settle down into um, just expanding people's ownership of, of water assets, you know what I mean? And kind of build that oil well type of uh, paradigm, which I'm really excited about. And with I that- agree, I agree, and I'm very excited as well. Sorry, Matt. No, no, please go ahead, Andrea. I wanted to give- I'm agree, I'm very excited as well. And and that, that's the part where I, I want to tell to our investors, and I'm going to be more um, thorough with this communication, but the fact that you invested your message is what makes us going, is what motivates us on one end. 
but also you are the ones that believe they saw the mission the way we saw it. So you talking to others and creating the opportunity for others to participate is what is needed because those type of missions, what we're trying to accomplish requires for you to really win. When I say you, I mean our investors. For you guys to really win, we need to have enough resources to execute at scale, not just a little bit, but at, at scale, right? So that's why we are a public company and, and that's the mission. So your health is really instrumental for the success of your organization. If you have uh, one or two individuals that you know that have a big heart, so then they want to do something, not just speculation, they want to do something that creates an impact in society and they want to be in for the long run, please connect them with uh, Ken because if you will be doing them a favor, I promise you. Thank you, Evangelism Andrea. Evangelism is the word, right? Evangelism. Evangelism is the word. And you know that Instagram Live had 1,100 people watching and most of them were unaccredited. And I said, guys, you might want to just buy the stock um, on the open market and your Robinhood. And that is, uh, you know, something that we forget is super important is everyday people investing. But for those of you who would like to invest privately, um, Ken, here's Ken's um, contact information. Uh, we've, this has been a very relatively long show and I, I'm amazed just about everyone's stuck in there. It's amazing. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, really an honor but we've gone uh, almost an hour, which is very unusual. But next week, um, in fact, we will have that first IG Live is gonna be you know, shortened up beautifully and you're gonna be very interested in the stuff that's discussed in that IG Live. We're getting the actual raw video, so it's gonna be very high quality and a lot of fun. So with that, I wanted to um, thank our panelists, uh, Ken and Andrea, thank you, gentlemen for being on board. And I wanna thank everyone who stuck right through to the end. Uh, we love you guys. And um, you know, we, uh, Tom Liako says, thank you. Thank you to all of you. It's uh, always a great pleasure. Join us next week. I think you'll enjoy that. And remember that the minute we, we announce the million dollar milestone, then we're gonna have Tom Marchesello telling us about the actual project that is being planned to spend that money. You will love it. I'm gonna leave a I'm gonna leave a I'm gonna leave a cliffhanger. There's a couple of other things we're gonna be talking about Ooh. upon that announcement too. Yes. yes. You're making me hang. I, I'm I'm you know I'm I'm all right. All right, all right everyone. Thank you all. Thank you and thank you very much thank you, Bye, guys. for the events in uh, Puerto Rico. And Bob Ruth says exciting, and I say good night. Good night. Bye.